like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to like this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I am one Logan Blackman, and I am ready to bring you some fantastic, fantastic, fantastic knowledge on the world of sports. I hope you all are mentally prepared for what is about to be thrown into your skull today. Let's get into it. But before we do, but before we do, let's go over to the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram accounts Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook, YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. But the most important thing here is to make sure you are following and or subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a rating on a five stars. It doesn't necessarily need to be a five star rating, though I'd greatly appreciate it if it was a five star rating a lot more than if it wasn't a five star rating. But you know, you do you. You do you. It's free country. It's Thanksgiving week. So you know what? Do whatever, do whatever you please. Do whatever you please. I hope this show, I hope you're thankful for this show because I sure as hell am. It's going to be an exciting one. We did not done a show in a little bit. We've been kind of busy in the past couple days, so I apologize for that. But we are back here on a Wednesday, which has been like the consistent day for a Logan Blackman show episodes with no no real like rhyme or reason to it. It's just been the only day that's really worked out. Like Tuesday nights are the night I'm the most free. And Thursday nights, usually I'm pretty free as well, but Sundays are just... They're hard to get everything figured out on Sundays. That's the day it's kind of like difficult to get everything sorted out to where like, oh, we're going to record a show. Now, uh, it's just, you know what? It's we're, we're here. We're alive. We're here. We're ready for a new edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And I am standing for this episode, actually. This is the first episode I believe I've ever stood for. And not like that. I'm, I'm just standing. I'm literally standing in my kitchen right now or my dining room or whatever. I, I don't know what you necessarily call this. It's like It's like a big room. Like, the kitchen, dining room, and living room are all in the same general vicinity. Like, if you stood in the back door in the kitchen, you could look through the front door in the living room. So, I don't I don't know what you even call this, but I'm standing in, like, the middle of the house, pretty much. I got the TV on. I got some action on. We got Buffalo taking on Eastern Michigan and Bowling Green taking on Western Michigan. So, we got the two Michigan schools going to freaking lose today. At least one of them will because, uh, you know, Buffalo... Got the dub there. It's it just started, but you know what? That's what it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. We're obviously gonna follow along with what the Bulls got going on today, and it's kind of I I I don't know how everybody feels about these, but I got the game on as I just said. The Buffalo Bulls are rocking black uniforms. That's whatever you can rock the black uniforms you want to. That's cool. the The problem that I have with this game, and the problem I have with a certain uniform, is what Eastern Michigan is wearing. Why are you wearing gray? When did gray become an acceptable uniform color? I, I am sorry. I'm not saying sitting here saying like I'm the, the fashion expert or anything, but come on, we got to do better than gray, right? Even in Eastern, Western Michigan. So is it just a Michigan school thing? Even Western Michigan's rocking a certain form of gray. I guess you could call it a grayish brownish type thing, but either way, it's not good. It's very not good. So if your team rocks gray uniform or you're like the Rams and just go, oh, we're better than everybody because we're out in Los Angeles and wear bone uniforms, you can go screw yourself. That's what I, That's the main takeaway here. So I hope Buffalo routes the whatever the hell Eagles. I think that's their name. I, I, my, I'm too flustered right now to really figure out what Eastern Michigan's nickname is. I'm pretty sure they're the Eagles. But you know what? Because of these uniforms, I don't really care. 
I don't really care. All I know is that the Buffalo Bulls are at home. I've been to the stadium before. It's it's a lot bigger than what you would expect. I don't know what a lot of you would expect Buffalo's stadium to be, but just take what you're picturing and then raise it. And you're like, wow, that is a lot bigger than I expected. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I went to the tippy top of the stands. It's where Khalil Mack went to school. That's where a lot of other players went to school, too. <laughs> Jarrett Patterson went there. He's a running back. He used to play for the Commanders. I think they were the football team at the time. He went to Buffalo. Anybody else, really, that I can remember that went to Buffalo? Tyree Jackson was a quarterback at Buffalo. I think the most memorable thing he did at the next level was get yelled at by Steve Smith at the Combine for throwing the ball too hard in the wide receiver drills. I I think that's the only thing that he did memorable once he got out of college. He was like, he went undrafted. He got signed by the Bills. I think he was moving to tight end. He went down to the XFL, the the second rendition of the XFL, I guess, and played for the D.C. Defenders. He was back up to another Buffalo, former Buffalo Bills quarterback and Cardell Jones. I think he did actually play a little bit that season. I don't know what the hell he's doing now. I don't know what he's doing now. He's like a Logan Thomas, a worse Logan Thomas. I don't know if you guys know who Logan Thomas is. He's the the starting tight end for the Washington Commanders. Former quarterback. Former quarterback at Virginia Tech was a solid quarterback in college, but like Tyree Jackson, was just a bigger dude. Was just a bigger dude and just not you know, great at the quarterback position in regards to what would he would develop into at the next level, if that makes any sense. But while we're on the topic of college, I was waiting for this game to start before you know we start recording the show today. And while I was loading up the ESPN app, I saw the college football playoff ranking show was on. Now, I didn't sit down and watch it because I don't need to sit down and watch a half-hour, hour-long program telling me where 25 teams are ranked. I don't need to do that. I don't need to waste my time doing that. So what we're going to do right now, you can waste time with me. You can hear me wasting my time talking about the latest ratings of the college football playoff, which is nothing insanely surprising, at least at the top of the list. Like the top 10 is unchanged apart from one. Top 10 is unchanged apart from one. If you haven't seen it, take a guess. Take a guess on what the change is in the top 10. Jessica, I'll give you five seconds. Four, three, two, one. If you guessed Iowa being in the top 10, you would be wrong. If you guessed that Washington moved above Florida State in the top 25 or the top 10, you would be absolutely freaking right. And it's it's a sad situation down there at Florida State. They've had a very you know solid year. They're undefeated right now. They haven't lost a single game. They've had some iffy performances like the game against Boston College was kind of odd. The game against Pitt was kind of odd. This last week's game against North Alabama was kind of odd. And it makes matters worse that you lost Jordan Travis, one of the best quarterbacks in college football for the entire, for I guess the entire season, two more games or three more games. Cause I got the conference championship coming up too. Maybe four, maybe four. If they go and win their playoff matchup, if they make the playoffs, I guess I should say, but you lost Jordan Travis for the year, snapped his leg against North Alabama. And what made it even worse. So we're just tackling on worse. And what makes it worse and what makes it worse and what makes it worse. They were down 13, nothing to North Alabama when he got hurt. 14 or 13 nothing sorry against North Alabama I was at a wedding on Saturday it was Justin and Liz's wedding Justin he has been on the show before so let's give a round of applause let's give a round of applause for Justin and Liz getting married on Saturday but we were sitting in the reception or not the reception what's the yeah the reception right that's what's called the, the the party after the wedding I guess is that what it's technically called I'm not I've never been married before so I can't I can't really speak on that part of it but we're sitting there, and I'm looking at my phone, and I see Florida State losing 13-0 to North Alabama. And the next notification I get, Jordan Travis is carted off the field. And it didn't say what. 
It didn't have a video attached to it. It was just an ESPN update. So, you know, I, I was like, man, what? Jordan Travis got carted off the field. Well, that's not, that's not ideal. So the chance of him coming back in the, at least this game is not really high. So I look it up, and yeah, uh, he's done. <laughs> he's done for a little bit. Snapped his leg. Abs, if you haven't seen the video, I would recommend you go and look it up. If you're Unless you're queasy and you don't want to look it up, that's fine. It's not like Kevin Ware-esque or anything, or Joe Theismann-esque. Like, it's just not fun. Breaking legs is not a fun task. It's not something that I really like watching. I don't, like, lower body injuries is, like, my least favorite thing in all of sports. Not just in all sports. In the world in general. It's one of my least favorite things. I would put it at, like, number four at my least favorite things from around the world. And I'm not going to go over what no one, two, and three are because that's not important in what we're talking about today. But regardless, Jordan Travis switched him a speedy recovery. And as for Washington... They had an interesting, you know, tough game against Oregon State. They've had a few weird games recently. Like, you obviously got the Arizona State game that was 15-7. to You have the Stanford game. They played a lot of top 10, top 25 teams in this run. I say top 10, top 15, top 25 teams. If you look at the likes of Oregon, beat them. Oregon State just conquered the state of Oregon. And then you got USC, beat them. Utah, beat them. Like, they've beat some really solid football teams in this stretch. But it's been, you know... Up and down with some of these other performances. Arizona's a good team. They're 17th ranked in the team in the 7th. Well, they were. What are they right now? I guess I don't know what they're right now. Arizona's 15th in the nation right now. They just blasted Utah. <laughs> I think you did Utah fall completely out of the rankings. Yeah, they did. Absolutely blasted Utah this past weekend. But Washington's been kind of up and down. Michael Penix hasn't been playing the greatest football of his life. Like, there was a stretch where he was throwing, like, Josh Allen-esque, where he's throwing an interception every freaking game. Like, Josh Allen this past weekend against the New York Jets threw a se- an interception. Granted, it was on a Hail Mary play, but I think it's the sixth straight game with an interception, or seventh, or something like that. But, it, again, Hail Mary at the end of the half, not too concerned about that. We'll get to the Bills in the middle. We'll get to the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets and the rest of the NFL here in a little bit, especially since we got Thanksgiving football on Thursday, which the, the games, at least that I can recall, because I have only looked at them once, and that was a while ago, they're ass. No, I, I, I will <laughs> I will say I will go back to that. We will reflect on those words that I used right there because I don't really remember what the games are. I'm sorry. I know the Packers and Lions are playing. I know the 49ers are playing. Other than that, I don't even know if they're all playing each other. They could all just be playing each other in a triangular, like a wrestling meet or something. But, yeah. Where were we at? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Washington, though. Michael Penix, he's though he was throwing the interceptions, he started to get back into what we saw at Indiana where he's using his legs a little bit more. And that's what you want to see. A guy that's torn his ACL twice and has serious question marks of where he's going to go in the draft because of said injuries, to see him starting to run and look a lot more comfortable running the football is big the past two weeks. Past two weeks for Washington. So they had a game against Cal, and they had a game against uh, Oregon State. I think that's the order. Yeah, Cal and Oregon State. That USC might be, I was USC before Cal? Whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not important to what we're talking about. But in those games, in those two... No, it was Utah. What am I talking about? It was Utah. It was Utah and Oregon State. Sorry. But in both those games, they had designed run plays for Michael Penix at the goal line. Like, not just, like, quarterback sneaks. He had a quarterback sneak touchdown against USC. So, yeah, it was USC, Utah, Oregon State. Yeah. And then against Utah, they call a QB stretch play. The QB play rolls out to the right... Or to the left, sorry... And takes it in the goal line. This week against uh, Oregon State, does the same thing to the opposite side. And he also picked up a first down using his legs on third and 10, picked up 11, 12 yards in the play. 
Like, that's what you want to see from Michael Penix, especially in a game where, the, you know, the conditions aren't great. It was a very windy, wet game in Clearvallis last week against Oregon State. And using his legs was big. He had 22 yards rushing in the game. I know that doesn't seem like a lot of rushing yards for quarterbacks today, but given the guy has had some serious injuries and had some question marks around his mobility in regards to, you know, is he afraid? What's the mental gapage in regards to his gapage award? Whatever. What's the mental gap with him running the football? Because he can. I mean, he did it in Indiana. He did it in Indiana. Like, I was that Iowa versus Indiana where he threw three interceptions and got picked off by Riley Moss, pick six by Riley Moss. That was basically the end of his Indiana career. De facto end of his Indiana career, I guess you could say. But it was good to see. Roma Dunes is a baller. We knew that already, though. So, yeah. Good. Not 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 their best performance from an offensive standpoint. They didn't score a single point in the second half, which is very unlike Washington. But this is a good Oregon State team. They have the number two pass defense in the entire Pac-12 behind their big brother, Oregon. Like, the two teams Washington beat in the state of Oregon. Oregon, Oregon State, you know, you know the drill. Beat them both. Once on the road, once at home. And this game, though not pretty, it's a lot better resume booster than that of North Alabama in week 12 for Florida State. Especially when you look at the like nitty-gritty of the game. Yeah, they won 58-13 or whatever the final was. But the fact they were losing 13-0 is insane. I'm sorry. It's just absolutely insane. I don't, I don't understand how that could happen. I never thought that would be the case. The final score is not surprising. 58-13. Not a surprising score in the slightest. But again, 13-0 at one point in the game. Losing your starting quarterback for the rest of the season. He put a whole letter out on Twitter and Instagram the other day about saying thank you to all the Florida State fans out there that his college career is now done. Done and dusted. Sad way to end the career, but he had a good one. Jordan Travis had a very good career, especially the last two years at Florida State. Like This was the year Florida State, like, Oh, we're back on the national stage. We're going to compete for national championships and stuff like that. But it doesn't really seem that way. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. Like, Washington could lose in the Pac-12 championship game. Or worse, Washington could go on to lose against Washington State this weekend. Like, I know Washington State's lost six of the last seven games. They just coming off a win against Colorado. Shorter week, though. I think they played last Thursday. Last Thursday or last Friday, I can't remember. But they'll be motivated. I, I know it's in Seattle, but coming off a tough win, tough gritty win against Oregon State, hey, slip-ups happen. Slip-up happens. You want to know what happened after the game against Oregon? While back at home, the very next game for Washington was against or, against Arizona State, right after Oregon. As we said earlier, the final score is 15-7. to 15-7. <laughs> Oregon, Washington. Isn't that crazy? One of the most high-octane offenses call of college football with the best receiving core and one of the best quarterbacks in college football scored 15 points against a team that has now three wins on the season. They just got boat raced by Oregon this past weekend, who comes in the rankings ranked at sixth. So again, apart from Washington and Florida State, the top 10 is not really changed. Like it goes Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, Texas, Bama, Missouri, and Louisville. You know, you all expected Missouri and Louisville to be in the top 10 at any point in the season, regardless of week 12 of the college football season. Man, the season's been crazy. And then you go outside the top 10, you got Penn State moving up one spot, Ole Miss moving up one spot, Oklahoma moving up one spot, LSU moving up one spot, Arizona moving up two. And then the team that obviously dropped down a little bit was Oregon State after the aforementioned loss to Washington. Tough loss, but they dropped down five spots. So we got a top 16 matchup. 
this weekend in Eugene when Oregon State take on Oregon. So we'll see where that game takes off. That game's on Friday, I believe. And then we got Iowa coming in at 17th. Drops one spot in the rankings. Though they probably had their best game of the season against... Oh, wait. What am I talking about? I was thinking the game against Rutgers. <laughs> that, I was... <laughs> my, I forget. We haven't talked about... We haven't had a show in a little bit. I mean, it's been a week, but... Still, I'm a little bit lost here. And I was at a, again, at a wedding Saturday, so I wasn't really able to watch the entire Iowa game. I tried to watch what I could, but hey, dropped down one spot in the rankings. Uh, Notre Dame comes in at 18, Kansas State 19. Oklahoma State moves up to 20th. They move up three spots. Tennessee, this weekend after losing to Georgia, drops down three spots. How they're still in the top 25, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really don't. They're sitting at 7-4, and four, and I understand they lost to ranked teams, but like, they got blown out in these games. In all these games against now top 10 teams in Alabama, Missouri, and Georgia, they lost by double digits. Not to mention they lost by Florida, who gave up 606 yards to one person two weeks ago. So I'm I'm a little confused on why Tennessee is still among the top 25 teams in college football, especially since, man, they're just not as good as what we thought they'd be. I thought with, my, with Joe Milne at quarterback, I thought with his skill set, granted he's in a sixth year of college, so we should we shouldn't be too surprised. But he's played fine. I'm not saying he's been terrible or anything. But I thought there was going to be a little bit of a, I don't want to say jump in in production from what Tennessee's offense was doing, but I expected it to you know be good. I expected them to be good this year, and they're just you know average. And they got 22. You got NC State coming in. They were unranked last week. You got Tulane moving up one spot after a nice win against Florida Atlantic. You got Clemson going back in the top 25 after beating Notre, or Notre Dame. Well, yeah, they did beat Notre Dame, but beating North Carolina. And then for the first time this season, first time this season, we have the 11-0 Liberty Flames. So we have three, no, two undefeated teams. What am I talking about? We don't have, what am I talking about? We're just going to ignore that. Because <laughs> obviously Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, or not Oregon, they lost to Washington. And now Liberty are all the undefeated teams in college football. Because I was thinking of James Madison, but they just lost this week to Appalachian State. So their college football playoff dream's done. Though it was already done. The committee decided to reaffirm that they are not getting bull eligibility this year, which sucks. Really sucks for the Dukes. But hey, Liberty will go somewhere. Liberty's got somewhere to go this year, and they're undefeated and ranked in the top 25 playoff, for the first, playoff poll for the first time. You got North Carolina, Utah, and Kansas all dropping outside of the top 25. Kansas obviously lost to Kansas State this weekend. North Carolina, as we said, lost to Clemson. And Utah, as we said, got boat raced by Arizona this past weekend. But, man, it's crazy, isn't it? This is the last week of, or like, I understand we have Army-Navy next week and stuff like that. I don't remember how many other games are on next weekend in regards to regular season football. But we're nearing the end of college football. That's sad. That's really sad. It's emotional times. Especially us for us here in the state of Iowa, where college football pretty much runs everything. The state of Iowa is a college football hub, and this is only because we don't have any professional sports teams. Every state that does not have a professional sports team could consider themselves a college football hub, unless your name's New Mexico. Then no one cares. Or Vermont. Or New Hampshire. or States like that. But here in the Midwest... It matters. Like, you look at Nebraska. They haven't got no professional sports team. They barely got people there. What do you mean they're going to have a professional sports team? 8,000 consecutive sellout games there in Nebraska. <laughs> 8,000 consecutive games. There's going to be one this weekend, or this Friday, sorry, when Iowa goes in there. 
to take on the Cornhuskers, but it's just, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. And if you're, if you're like me where yeah, college football is coming to end, but we're getting into the fun part for the NFL draft. Like it's postseason, but also it's too stupid early to make any assumptions for what's going to happen in the draft. Like it's so fun to try and predict what happens when it will not matter <laughs> when the draft actually rolls around. A couple years ago, do you want to guess who the number one overall pick at this time would have been? And granted, he was the number two overall pick in the draft, eventually. That was Aiden Hutchinson. If not Aiden Hutchinson, you had Evan Neal from Alabama. But you look at that draft, and we're sitting here in November 21st right now, 2023. If you were sitting here on November 21st in 2021, before the 2022 NFL draft, jeez, jeez, no one would have said Trayvon Walker been number one overall pick. All the hype from Georgia football that year on the defensive side was from Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, N'Kobe Dean. Like, they had a, just a great defense that year. And then um, Quay Walker, I linebacker, almost forgot Quay Walker, but Trayvon Walker was seen as a good player. No one was denying that. Him as a first-round pick was not really that out of the question. I think we had him in first-round mocks all the way up to that point. But him going first overall was not even a thought in anybody's head at November 21st, 2021. There wasn't. It was, there was no, no thought about that. It's crazy to think how stupid things get when you get closer and closer to the draft, but that's, that kind of makes things fun. Kind of makes things fun. And for this week, I don't know if we're going to... I highly doubt we're going to have a Friday show. I mean, it's Thanksgiving Thursday, so we're probably not going to have a Friday show. But on the topic of the draft, we made a change in our Week 11 quarterback prospect rankings. And we have Week 12's, you know, the, the list done. We don't have the reasonings done. We're hoping to get that out to you today on Wednesday. If it's not, it'll be on Thursday. So we'll just, you know, make a wash. Make a watch. Just get prepared for whatever pops up. Make sure you go to LoganBlabbinShow.com as well and go to the blog section. Or subscribe to our newsletter because I email these out every single week. Or every, yeah, yeah, every week. I'll email these out to people if you want them. Subscribe. Do that. It'd be really cool. If not, make sure you follow the, the Logan Blackman Show social media accounts. And you will see links to all those on there as well. But we've kind of talked about this before in regards to the NFL draft about the conversation for this draft is not necessarily. Well, I guess I guess it is because you're, depending on what happens. So like, okay, let's go to the Bears real quick. The Chicago Bears currently have the number one overall pick thanks to the Carolina Panthers, which that pick looks like it's going to be locked up fairly shortly. I don't. The Panthers don't look like they can win any games this year. So with that being said, if you're the Chicago Bears, what do you do? That's the serious question going into this. Like. This offseason, the main thing, if the Bears were bad, like the, the first few weeks of the season, when the Bears were absolutely getting ripped apart by everybody, after that Kansas City Chiefs game, when they got absolutely ripped apart week three, what was the mindset of the Bears going into that? Draft a quarterback. Draft a quarterback. But as the season is progressed in college football, the top two guys in the draft, for most people out there, they're outside the top 25. One place for North Carolina, one place for USC, and the USC's guy... His seasons might be, his might be done. Who knows if he plays in the bowl game? That remains to be seen. But if you're the Bears, do you go down the route of thinking of sticking with Justin Fields again? Do you do that? Because remember we talked about a few months ago, the Bears have this very wicked cycle where 
They get a head coach. They draft a quarterback. Happens. So John Fox was there. They cut quarterback or let Jay Cutler go. They signed Mike Glennon. And he got that situation. So John Fox got Mike Glennon. He thinks they're drafting Jalen uh, Jamal Adams at number two or number three overall at the time. Bears trade up to number two, draft Mitch Trubisky. So John Fox now is stuck with a quarterback that he does not want. He did not draft him. He might have been a part of the draft. He did not want to draft Mitch Trubisky. And then you go a year later, two years later, however long this timetable was. Matt Nagy comes to town. He's been working with Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith, quarterback whisper, all that stuff. Worked with Andy Reid, yada, yada, yada. He doesn't like Trubisky. Made it vehemently clear he does not like Mitch Trubisky. So guess what? They get rid of Mitch Trubisky. Get rid of him. They let him go to Buffalo. So that offseason, guess what? They bring in Andy Dalton. They bring in Nick Foles. And guess what? They're going into the offseason or in the draft, and they go up to trade up to 11 from 20, draft Justin Fields. Well, guess what? Matt Nagy gets fired. Matt Eberflus and a new GM come in, and Ryan Poles. So you get a new GM, new head coach, didn't draft quarterback, stuck with him this year, traded out of the number one overall pick, got a boatload of picks from Carolina and DJ Moore, and now we are stuck in the same situation again where Matt Eberflus looks like he's going to get fired. He looks like it's dead on to get fired. I don't know if he's the most dead on right now. I think the most dead on is Brandon Staley in LA, but that's another story. We'll get to that in a little bit. But do we just continue the cycle? Does Justin Fields get his third coach? (laughs) Because he had Matt Nagy, his rookie year. He had Matt Eberflus last year. He has Matt Eberflus this year. Do they go out and get someone else? Ben Johnson, uh, Jim Harbaugh. What do they do at one? Do you keep Justin Fields? Do you draft Marvin Harrison Jr., who looks to be the best overall player in the draft? Do you go after Caleb Williams or Drake May? And for Chicago... It, depending, it all depends on who you want as a head coach. Because the old thing was like, oh, the Bears patch and patch, passed on Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes got put in this situation in Chicago, would he have been good? Yeah. He wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes, though, in Chicago. You know, there's a lot of other working pieces that went down in Kansas City to make him what he is. I'm not saying he's not great or anything. I'm not saying he can't even go down to be the greatest of all time. I think that's very possible. But if he went to Chicago, and this is even saying Mitch Trubisky would have been a baller if he went to Kansas City. That's not what I'm saying either. But... If Mahomes went to Chicago, we don't know what would happen. You can never play that game. And I, given what the coaching staffs have been, I don't think it would have been that, that amazing. Oh, Buffalo's running a fake punt. Got no, what is that? What was that? Dude ran right up the middle, ran into the offensive line, and the ball, the ball shot up in the air, <laughs> straight up in the air, and then landed like five yards past the line of scrimmage, and Eastern Michigan recovered it. What the hell was I watching? What kind of fake punt? Remember when we brought the William Penn fake punt a couple weeks ago? It was kind of similar to that, but this dude just tucked and ran it. He tried to... What? How did the ball leave his hand? It's like the ball was there, and then it's not. Okay, the, no, show the angle again. Go back. If you're listening to this right now, look up Buffalo versus Eastern Michigan fake punt because I have no idea how that ball left his hands and how the ball left at that angle. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I can promise you, though, there ain't no, that guy not get drafted in the first round of the Chicago Bears this year. I don't think there's anybody from Buffalo, like a Khalil Mack level player, that's getting drafted in the first round this year. Unless I completely missed him, I really don't think that's the case. Back to the Bears. It's more back to college football. I'm not even talking about the Bears, really. I, I am, but not at the same time. My main focus here is on college football. 
but do you do the Maserati Marv thing? Like, is that the move you go? Because Marvin Harrison, the wide receiver of Ohio State, widely considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest receiving prospect of all time. Now, do you put him up there with the likes of Jamar Chase? I don't know, because Jamar Chase, up to that point, was one of the best receivers i ever seen coming out of college. That dude was insane at LSU. Like, do you? I remember saying this on the show a bunch of times. Do you remember, and this was my justification for him getting drafted by Cincinnati. Do you remember when him and Justin Jefferson were at LSU, who was the number one receiver? It was pretty clear at that time who the number one receiver was, and that was Jamar Chase. Justin Jefferson has gone on to become one of the, if not the best receiver in the entire NFL. And you know what else? He's the only one his rookie year to take votes away from Justin Herbert. The only one. The only one. And Justin Herbert put up insane numbers his rookie season. And Jamar Chase was the number one receiver on said LSU team. So I don't know if I can really sit here and say that, but Marvin Harrison's insane. He's absolutely insane. Like, I would say it helps having a Hall of Fame dad, but hey, most of the time when a kid has a Hall of Fame parent, they don't really mount to anything because they're, they're stuck in the shadow of, the, of said Hall of Fame parent. Like Michael Jordan's kids. Where the hell are they at? I mean, apart from marrying Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, what the, hell, what the hell have they done in regards to the world of sports? I don't know. I can't tell you. Does Joe Montana have any sons? I don't know. We'll see if Tom Brady's kids get up here. Kurt Warner's kids. I don't know what they're doing now. It usually doesn't work out like that. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. I'm not saying it's in a not, like it's, it never happens. It does. But to this level, where we're now talking about a guy, Hall of Famer, and his dad, Marvin Harrison Sr. from the Indianapolis Colts, one of the greatest receivers of all time, has a son that is now considered one of the best, if not the best receiving prospect of all time. So do you get your new head coach, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, whoever, and draft Mar- Marvin Harrison and draft Olufashano from Penn State, and you like fully commit to building around Justin Fields? Fully commit to it. Because if not, we're going to get stuck in the same vicious cycle that we always get stuck in. Because the more and more I look at things, more and more people are starting to fall off the Caleb Williams bandwagon, I guess. I don't really want to call it a bandwagon, but they're starting to get off the train, I guess. Where Caleb Williams is not seen as the number one overall pick in the draft. And the Bears came out with a quote that said, if we move on, if we get a new quarterback, they're going to have to blow us away. The Jets said the exact same thing when they drafted Zach Wilson. So, you know, anything can happen here. Anything can happen. But the other scenario that I've, like, played around with in my head is drafting Marvin Harrison one. And let's say the Bears, I mean, they choked the game away against the Lions this week. So let's say they start going downhill again. Keep go- I say start going downhill again. Keep losing. Do you draft Marvin Harrison Jr., get Jim Harbaugh in, and draft J.J. McCarthy? Is that something that can happen? Like pair the college quarterback with the college coach. Or pair the college coach with the college quarterback. Because J.J. McCarthy, though he's had a difficult couple weeks, I don't want to throw the Penn State game in there. That dude threw the ball eight times and completed seven of them. He looked really good in that Penn State game despite not having to do a whole lot. Michigan just ran the rock the entire time, dominated that way. I'm not too fussed about the Penn State game. The Maryland game was not great. I'm aware of that. It's not a great game, but I do think J.J. McCarthy is insanely talented. Do you want to do that? Because the Bears, J.J. McCarthy... (laughs) You could get stuck in like an overdrafting sense, but you think you could go, you just subscribe to the fact that, hey, we want our guy. We're going to take our guy whenever we want to. And if you, JJ McCarthy's your guy and you get Jim Harbaugh, then, hey, taking him at five or three or wherever, 
That's fine. If you want to do that, that's your prerogative. I can't change your mind on that. But pairing him with Marvin Harrison, Ohio State-Michigan connection, that could be very fun to see with DJ Moore already there. Darnell Wright at right tackle, though he got beat by Aiden Hutchinson for the strip sack fumble of safety last week against the Bears. Against the Lions, sorry. It's interesting. It's interesting. In that game against Maryland, again, not ideal for J.J. McCarthy. This is now the third game in a row. I believe he hasn't thrown a touchdown in because he didn't throw a touchdown against Purdue. He didn't throw a touchdown against Penn State. And he didn't throw a touchdown this week. He threw an interception this week, his fourth interception of the season. His first one since that rough game against Bowling Green, a few, like a, like week two or week three, where he threw three interceptions and in Michigan at 13 points a half against Bowling Green, who we're watching right now. I guess they're up 17 nothing against Western Michigan. <laughs> Damn it, Bowling Green, you're supposed, to help me, you're supposed to help my case here. Now they're about to score again. We're going to make it 24-0 here, and we're just blasting them for, wow, they got, I mean, to be fair, I think Bowling Green even understands this. There's no reason that they should ever be competing with Michigan. I don't care how confident you are on your team, like, oh, we could go out there and beat anybody even any given Saturday type thing. I don't care. Bowling Green should never beat Michigan. Should never be even on the field with Michigan in regards to being a competitive game. Being on the field, yes, they can play, you can play against Michigan, but you should not be able to play with Michigan, if that makes any sense. And do you catch it? I got dual screen going on right now. Or multicast. And Bowling Green touchdown. Bazalik? He's with Bowling Green? <laughs> oh, my God. God love Big Ten football. Oh, my goodness. But it'd be an interesting strategy to pull. You get Mar- Mar- uh, Marvin Harrison, get J.J. McCarthy. But that quarterback situation, like with, with the top guys in the draft... It all depends on what you're looking for. We brought up Caleb Williams and Drake May before. If you read our blog post last week, and if you haven't, go check it out on the LoganBlattmanShow.com. Links should still be on all different forms of social media if you haven't. And we're going to have, week, again, week 12 will be out soon, but either today or Thursday. It'll be one or the other. Uh, Drake May, we actually had him passing Caleb Williams in the rankings. And it's sad because I don't think Caleb Williams has played bad this year. He really hasn't. I think the problem with people right now is that the hype surrounding him before the season started went supernova. Like we were hearing we're generational prospect. So when a generational prospect starts losing, regardless if it's, if it's his fault or not, then you're going to get a dialogue on social media where is this guy actually good? This dude actually sucks, which he doesn't. He clearly doesn't. Caleb Williams is a very, very good quarterback. It just that so happens he's competing against the other team and his defense. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when his, his defense was giving up 45 points a game. 45 through a stretch of games they had this year. Like a, like a week or two ago. Like they lost this week against UCLA. Very good defense. Their defense, USC, is allowed 38. Now USC did turn the ball over in this game. A couple fumbles in this game. Caleb Williams threw an interception. First interception since the Notre Dame game, though. You look at the game against Oregon. Oregon, that game was a lot further apart than what the final score suggested. Oregon was pretty much dominant that entire game. A lot of quick, quick scores for Oregon, which is not surprising. That's how Oregon's offense has always worked. It doesn't matter if it's Chip Kelly or Mario Cristobal or Dan Lanning. That's how Oregon's offense always works. Quick, quick, quick. But again, generational prospects have to go above and beyond their defense, according to a lot of people on social media. A generational prospect cannot be viewed in the same light as some of the other prospects out there because they are generational. 
And if you're generational, you're going up there with the likes of John Elway. You're going up there with guys like Andrew Luck, like Trevor Lawrence, like people like that. Like, Andrew Luck did not have insane success in college in regards to winning a national championship game. He did go 7-5 and five by the time he got drafted. Trevor Lawrence was famously competing for national championships. He won one his freshman year of college. Contract for first overall, obviously. Zach Wilson, though he didn't compete for anything in regards to national titles, they had a very good season. I think they went 12-1. and one. Or they lost to Coastal Carolina, right? So they went 12-1 and because they won the bowl game against UCF. Was that that year? They beat UCF in the bowl game that year? I know they beat UCF in the bowl game, so that was one of Zach Wilson's best games in college. But 7-5, and five, considered generational prospect, a lot of people aren't going to be too thrilled about that. They're not. I think the only game you can really put on Caleb Williams is the Notre Dame game, but even then, the defense still gave up 48 points. USC scored 20. It's like you scored, you gave up 38 points. Yeah, Caleb Williams threw three interceptions in that game because he was trying to force the ball to play hero ball, which rarely works. I don't care if you're generational or not. That does not really work. So the spotlight's been on him pretty much the entire season. So with USC again, finishing 7-5, and five, Bears fans' feelings towards Caleb Williams, I'm sure has changed slightly. But again, I would only really put one of those games out of the seven out of the twelve games USC's played. Only one of them should go on the shoulder of Caleb Williams, and I'm being even picky with that because again, the defense gave up 48 freaking points. <laughs> 48. Now Notre Dame was gifted short fields by Caleb Williams again because some of the interceptions were in Notre Dame territory or in USC's own territory, I should say. But man, and they go to the other guy, Drake May, who we have as QB one in the draft. And it's not really anything that, again, I don't think Caleb Williams has been bad this year. I don't think any of, I don't think Drake May has been necessarily the most consistent quarterback out there. But from what you're looking at, if you want someone to stay within the structure that can deliver throws more from a steady base inside the pocket, Drake May is your guy. If you need a guy to make plays on him on his own, Caleb Williams is a guy because that dude can make literally something out of nothing every single time. That's also what stresses people out because you can't do that in the NFL. And I agree because you're not going up against guys they are going to be in the NFL. You might go against a few. Like against UCLA, you will go up against a couple NFL guys. You will. But most of the people you play, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're not going to be NFL guys. They're not. Every player in the NFL is in the NFL. It's one of my favorite sayings in the world. Every single player in the NFL is in the NFL. Every one of them. So there's a lot little more, there's a lot less wiggle room to work with when you're scrambling around the pocket like that. Like Josh Allen does it, Patrick Mahomes does it, obviously Lamar Jackson does it, but they don't do it all the time. And he doesn't have that quick release that teams are looking for. But that's also a lot of the times what USC, what their plays are. A lot of longer plays, longer routes, and when they get covered up, you got to try and scramble around because you're trying to make time for the receivers to get open because it's hard enough for corners to guard these receivers for a second, let alone try to guard these receivers for five, six, seven seconds because Caleb Williams is running around. So there's positives and negatives to it both ways. Both of it works out like that. But for the Bears in Drake May, this is going to be the helmet problem. And if you don't know what I mean by the helmet problem, I mean that they're going to be looking at the fact he plays for North Carolina and they're not going to want him anymore. Which has been a problem that's kind of been getting booted a little bit the past few years. And we've brought it up on the show numerous times. Like scouting helmets. Scouting helmets been a big thing. Like C.J. Stroud, this past draft, very, vic- very fell victim to that. For some people out there, Ohio State never produced a good NFL quarterback. True. 
I mean, the best one out of all of them recently, Tom Tupa, he turned into a punter. Like, if you want to go down that route, I don't know what other quarterbacks you would really say. Art Schleister? The Golden Arrow? Or the Straight and Arrow? Whatever, whatever the hell his nickname was, Golden Arrow? For the Indianapolis Colts? Drell Pryor moved to wide receiver? Troy Smith was a career backup? Like, there was options in the NFL for Ohio State quarterbacks, but most of them did not really work out. So why are we expecting just or CJ Stroud to work out? Obviously Justin Fields is there now, but we can't expect CJ Stroud to work out. Look at his receivers. Same thing goes with Joe Burrow at LSU. What LSU quarterbacks do you know that have been successful? The one that pops in my head right away is Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn, Matt Flynn. Won a national championship at LSU. Got a massive ass contract to Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Never heard of him, <laughs> never heard from him again. Had that one good game with Green Bay, signed with Seattle, and then, uh, yeah, B got beat up by Russell Wilson. Kind of like the Rob Johnson syndrome. Rob Johnson had a couple good games in Jacksonville, saw, got traded to Buffalo for a first-round draft pick, and then never did anything in Buffalo. The only thing Rob Johnson is known for in Buffalo is the fact that he started over Doug Flutie in the Music City Miracle game. That's the only thing Rob Johnson is really known for. And he called RoboSack, which is one of the best nicknames in all of football history. The dude loved getting sacked. Every, that dude loved getting sacked more than he liked throwing touchdowns. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. It wouldn't surprise me if he got sat more times than he threw touchdowns. Really wouldn't surprise me. And you could say that's a, a testament to how bad the Bills off the line was, but whatever. I think it's a funny nickname. But Drake May will fall into that category. Because not only does Drake May play for North Carolina, Drake May also happens to wear number 10. So there's a lot of negative comment- connotations coming towards Drake May going into the draft process from a lot of people out there. So your top two guys are being viewed a little bit lesser than what they would have been going into the season. Going into the season, they were widely considered 1A, 1B, and I think for most people, they're still considered 1A, 1B, or 1 and 2, however you want to put it. And there's not a big gap between them. There never has been, but people want to create those gaps. That's why I thought the generational thing was kind of silly with Caleb Williams. I think he's very good. We had him at number one, but even before the season started, we had a 1A, 1B with Drake, Drake May. Like, Drake May's bigger. Drake May's got a stronger arm. Drake May stays in the structure a little bit more. You can make an argument that Drake's more athletic than Caleb Williams. I, you can make an argument. I'm not saying it's true or not, but you can make an argument for it. And that's not me bashing Caleb Williams. It's just the things that Drake May can do. So if you want to call Caleb Williams generational, I understand it, especially since he won a Heisman and before the season, like the first, what, to that Colorado game, people are considering him the two-time Heisman winner. That's this would have been the second time ever there have been a two-time Heisman winner, the other one being Archie Griffin. Well, we we could have seen history. And then Michigan or Michigan USC decides to not play defense anymore and then lose every game they play. Apart <laughs> from Cal, where they forced the offense to score 50 to beat Cal, which is insane. Cal's not a terrible team, but the fact USC needed to score 50 to beat Cal. And it wasn't like 50 to 3. No, no, no. It was 50 to 49. So it's not like they were they were blowing Cal out of the freaking water. No, like they should be. Because it's USC against Cal. But man. Interesting conversations as we get close as we get to the end of the college football season. Does Caleb Williams play in the bowl game? I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I don't blame him if he doesn't. I mean, hey, Will Levis didn't play in the bowl game against Iowa last year. He got ended up drafted in the second round. <laughs> so, hey. You don't need to play in the bowl game. I won't judge you any differently if you want to play in the bowl game or not. I think it means less to not play in the bowl game now than it did back in the day because you're getting a lot of money in college football. Like, knowingly, 
everybody knows you're getting a lot of money now. Before it was like, we don't know if they're getting a lot of money. They are, but you're not even getting a lot of money. Every college athlete was getting paid before NIL came out, but now it's all publicized. So that's what makes it a little different. Like, you're getting paid now, so you might as well just play the bowl game, right? But now you're like, ah, now you got the people like, oh, he doesn't actually care for the school and stuff like that. Who cares? It doesn't really bother me. If you don't want to play in the bowl game, that's fine. If you do, that you do, that's cool. That's really cool if you do. But I saw something the other day about speaking on Caleb Williams again. Uh, he didn't talk to the media after the loss to UCLA, and that's, I don't, you know, I don't care. But Adam Schefter took to Twitter. You know, inside NFL reporter Adam Schefter. Why he's doing this, I have no freaking idea because it has no merit to literally anything. It really does not matter. Where's the Adam Schefter tweet? Come on, where is it at? Oh, not Adam Schefter. Ian Rappaport, sorry. So the, his tweet was on uh, the 19th at 9.24 a.m. on the 19th. Or no, that was the response. That was the response. Seven hours prior to that. I, whatever. Ian Rappaport tweeted, Joe Burrow learned his season was over on Friday. Understood his responsibility and went out and held a news conference. The job of a quarterback and face of the franchise. And he quote tweeted a tweet responding to Caleb Williams not talking to the media. The fun part about this is <laughs> Joe Burrow is forced to talk to the media. He's the NFL. Do you not remember the whole Marshawn Lynch thing where I'm just here so I don't get fined? He has to talk to the media. He is paid to talk to the media. Caleb Williams has not talked. He's not paid to talk to the media. He doesn't need to talk to the media. And guess what? We are comparing a 20, 21-year-old kid to a four-year NFL vet. <laughs> That's the comparison we are making here. Like, this is the other stuff that I get, like, tired of seeing in regards to Caleb Williams. Because something pops up every freaking week. Whether it's the crying, whether it's the nails, whether it's him not talking to the media. Like, who gives a shit, really? It's not that deep. And everybody tries to make it this insane thing. It's like, man, Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the Cleveland Browns, they beat the Steelers this past weekend, 13-10. Last second field by Dustin Hopkins. DeAndre, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's crying after the game. His first NFL win... He's the second start in the NFL. Emotional. Sheds a little tears. He's not like bawling, but he's crying. Why are we not bashing Dorian Thompson Robinson? He's in the NFL. That should be above NFL players. To cry? What are you, a pussy? Oh my God, man. Crying on the football. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic here, but that's how people act on social media. I have no issue with Dorian Thompson Robinson crying. I would do the same thing. If I worked my entire life to get to the NFL, God damn, yeah, I'm going to start crying if I get a win. I don't care how well they played. Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't light the world alight or anything, but that's an emotional time. Caleb Williams is on an offense that dropped 42 points against Washington. They allowed 52. Did literally everything to get them a dub, and they still lost. It's a lot to take in. Like, USC showed no quit throughout these. You look at the game against Oregon. We talked about Oregon was above pretty much the entire game. USC was still able to come back and make it somewhat of a game at the end. I don't really give two shits about the crying. That really has no bearing on anything. And people are like, oh, that makes him less of a man. Oh, that makes him not an NFL starting quarterback. This is all if I was a GM. Well, good thing you're not a GM. We're comparing Caleb Williams to a four-year NFL vet. I don't, there's no comparison need to be made. We're comparing Caleb Williams to a guy who was forced to talk to the media. You're a starting quarterback in the NFL. You have to do the press conferences. I'm sorry. Just here so I don't get fined thing. 
It's annoying, and it gets pot. I, I feel like we bring this up every single week because social media has to do something else. And this, again, goes to the talking point of Caleb Williams being this generational prospect, so people are trying to find ways to tear him down every single time. The sad thing is, I don't even have Caleb Williams as my number one quarterback anymore. And yet I have to defend him every single week because of stupid shit on Twitter. Why is Ian Rappaport even tweeting this? He's an NFL inside reporter. I don't care about what his opinion is about Joe Burrow talking to the media comparing it to Caleb Williams. I really don't care. I really don't. And as we learned later this week, earlier this week, sorry, he went on NFL Network, talked about Brandon Staley, and he said, actually, Brandon Staley giving up 400 yards a game three times this year. It's not his defense's fault because his defense didn't fumble the ball four times or whatever they did against the Packers. He didn't drop the game-winning touchdown like Quinn Johnson did. Guess what? The only reason he's saying that is not because he has some fond affiliation with or some fond uh, memories or uh, whatever. He doesn't have any feelings towards uh, Brandon Staley. No, they share the same agent. So he has to do it. He has to do it. Brandon Staley's defense has given up 400 yards like three times this year. They got shipped 400 yards against the Detroit Lions. I understand the Lions are a good team, but come on, man. 400 yards of total offense. You allowed 45, 44 points, whatever it was. Brandon Staley stinks at his job. And he went on to say, like, oh, defense around the league are copying his style. He's not giving up play calling because it's not, it's not his fault. As he made that abundantly clear in his press conference. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Charters stink for a bunch of reasons. Not his fault, though. He's definitely not the reason the Jaguars came back <laughs> in the playoff game. Definitely not his fault. It's all Joe Lombardi's fault. Joe Lombardi and the offensive staff, they suck. My defense, yes, we gave up the massive lead, but still, that's their fault. Why aren't we talking about Brandon Staley? Like Brandon Staley's press conference, he basically bashed everybody but himself. Why don't we compare that press conference to what Patrick Mahomes said last night? Like we're comparing apples to oranges here for your NFL vet to a 20-year-old kid. Yeah, why not compare a starting quarterback in the NFL to a head freaking coach? Patrick Mahomes, after they lost the, uh, the freaking Bronx, who they lose to? The Eagles last night. He said he should have thrown the ball better to Marcus Valdez-Scantling. He didn't say Marcus Valdez-Scantling should have made the catch. He should have. Patrick Mahomes said, hey, guess what? I should have thrown it better. He didn't need to. And yet we got a head coach bashing everybody except himself in a press conference like a dickhead. But we're not going to call that out. We're going to call it Caleb Williams not talking to the media. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, my goodness. I hate these reports. I hate social media, but I'm on it every freaking day. That's the annoying part. I guess I got a social media addiction or something. So how are you guys doing? <laughs> Good Lord. Good freaking Lord. But, hey, it's been a fun season. It has been a really fun season. Like, even though USC finished 7-5, and five, they've been really fun to watch for the early portion. That Colorado game was awesome. Colorado, that Colorado State game was awesome. I, nothing else past the Colorado State game for Colorado was awesome. Nothing past that. It's all been shit show after this. Dion needs to let Shadour go to the NFL because this is malpractice. This is child abuse. Not letting Shadour Sanders go to the NFL this year is child abuse. <laughs> this dude... Should definitely be considered one of the top quarterbacks in the draft, but guess what? He's going to come back to college and get his ass kicked again next year. Oh, my goodness. Colorado just lost the top receiver in next year's class. Not surprising at all because it's Colorado. They had that good stretch. Everybody bought the hype, and it's like, hey, guess what? They play Oregon. They play USC. Yeah, it's probably not going to go great, but you know what? We can figure it out. They play UCLA. Good defense. 
and they didn't figure it out. <laughs> got up 29 nothing against Stanford, lost the game there. At home. Stanford's not very good. Colorado's not very good right now, but... Like, Brady and I, before the season started, we put them in the average category. They, they might be below average, but, but might be. They are below average. That tweet, though, I saw this pop up again. That tweet regarding uh, what's the spread for the LSU 2019 that we brought up Joe Burrow. That 2019 LSU team versus Colorado today, it was like after their Nebraska win or something, or the Colorado State win, what's the spread? <laughs> LSU minus 62 and a half is, is, the, is the line for... Uh, LSU or Colorado this year. That is an insane. It is so funny. And then the tweet, it's funny because we talked about it because we kind of low key bought into the hype around it. I tried to keep a mellow balance around it, but we did kind of like go, man, Shadur Sanders could really win the Heisman. I think he's got the potential to, but not with this shit ass team. But we said that before the season. We said we didn't know what his Heisman chance works. I didn't think Colorado would be very good. We said that before the season. Like six and six was my like ceiling for him, seven and five. They have a hard schedule. They had a really hard schedule this year. Last season of the Pac-12 just happened to be the best season of the Pac-12 football ever. So, yeah, it was uh, – it's it's funny to look back at those tweets. I saw, like, Caleb Williams versus Shadur – Colorado versus USC could decide the Heisman. Neither one of them are going to be invited to New York. <laughs> just, oh, my goodness. But Jaden Daniels, again, just keeps building his Heisman resume. Bo Nix doing the same thing. Bo Nix had six passing touchdowns this past weekend. Yeah, all in the first half, too. All in the first half. Uh, Jane Daniels had eight touchdowns this week against Georgia State, yeah. But he had 606 yards total offense last week. So, it's not like it was just this game. Michael Penix, I don't he, – he might be third. I would probably put him fourth. I'd put Marvin Harrison probably third. So, that'd be my Heisman ballot. Potentially top five Heisman. Jane Daniels, Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison, Michael Penix. And then if I had to come up with a fifth, who would be my fifth one? Uh – I don't know, Carson Beck's had a really good season for Georgia, quarterback. He's been really good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who I would have at number five. Maybe Carson Beck. But that'd be what it is. I, I think it's, like, Jane Dale's been absolutely tearing it up this year. And you look at, like, the draft. Like, Jane Dale's is a first-round draft pick, which is crazy to think about where we've come from. This is, again, the same thing. He <laughs> was said a year ago. 2021, November 1st, 2022, sorry. Jaden Daniels would be a first-round draft pick in 2024. I don't think a lot of people would have believed you. I don't I don't think that would have been the case. I think Daniels has always had the potential to be that, but his running ability was always carrying him. His passing game didn't develop, and this year, his passing game has gone supernova. He's got the best deep ball in all college football. But I think those would be the top four, top five-ish Heisman candidates right there. Yeah. Cooper DeGene, I mean... Cooper DeGene's a very interesting one because Cooper DeGene's one of the best players in college football. He's one of the best players in Iowa history. I don't I don't know if that gets said enough, but that dude being out for the season, for at least the regular season, he's got a broken foot. I Have they officially – they said lower body injury. I don't know if they've officially said, like, broken foot, whatever. But Cooper DeGene is a big, big, big loss. And obviously, Torrey Taylor was going through senior day this past weekend, so you're going to be next year potentially without Torrey Taylor and Cooper DeGene, your two best players for Iowa. Cooper Jean could still come back. I, I I don't think there's like a foregone conclusion he cut he leaves because he's an Iowa kid, so maybe he stays back in college another year, but with the way his stock looks, like Mel Kuyper, you can take however you want with Mel Kuyper. I think it's not necessarily he's not the most accurate person in the world, but having a name like that, say you are a top ten player in the draft, is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so I would go and leverage that <laughs> and try to be a top 10 pick. I don't know if he'll be a top 10 pick. 
the conversation around him, Kool-Aid McKintree, and Nate Wiggins from Clemson is going to be a very interesting one. Uh, J- Kalen King was around there too, but then the Marvin Harrison game happened, and it, it, people looked at it a little bit down. But it's like A.J. Terrell again. Like A.J. Terrell, the last game he played in college was against LSU, that 2019 LSU team. He was a first-round draft pick. Everybody's seen it as a reach because he got absolutely blasted by J- Jamar Chase. Like Jamar Chase made A.J. Terrell, a very good corner in the NFL, look bad in college. For that one game. And everybody forgot about the rest of it. So, Kalen King, I think that game will hurt him a lot. But, you know, we'll we'll see how it affects the rest of his season. But, Iowa, Big Ten West champs. Big Ten West champs. Not surprised. Not surprised. We predicted them to go 10-2 at the beginning of the season. We predicted them to go to the Big Ten championship game. So, nothing has really been that surprising. I think what is kind of surprising how well Iowa has maneuvered around the injuries. Like, you look at the injuries against Northwestern. You look at the injuries to the tight ends. Luke Lachey, Eric All both out for the season. Cade McNamara tearing his ACL. Cooper DeGene now being out. Like, they've gone through so many injuries. Noah Shannon being out for the, the entire season of the gambling probe. Like, there's so many things Iowa had going against them. But the season, again, the schedule's very easy. We knew that going in. But, hey, you still have to win them. You still have to win the game. The, game, the schedule can be very easy. You still have to win the games. And like we said when Brady was on here, Though Iowa's chance to winning the Big Ten title are pretty much non-existent. I don't want to rule it out completely, but they're not high. <laughs> they're not very high. But out of the rest of the Big Ten West, they are the best equipped team to beat an Ohio State of Michigan. One of those teams, one of those two teams will be playing Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game because they both beat Penn State. They're the most equipped to play with those teams. Now, Cooper DeGene being out, that hurts the chances a little bit. And I'm not saying these are like, Iowa has a 10% chance to win this game. No, I think Iowa might have a 3% chance to win. And the rest of the Western side of the conference can equal up that last 2%, however else you want to put it in there. I think Ohio State and Michigan are two very good football teams. Now They're both very, very good teams. But, I don't know. I, I think Iowa has the best chance out of the Wisconsin's, Nebraska's, Northwestern's, Purdue's, all those teams, to get to that championship game and actually compete and potentially win, but we'll have to wait and see, just because of how good they are on the defensive side of the ball, and the offense doesn't need to do a whole lot. You just, The problem with this game, for me, just looking ahead, I know we're looking past Nebraska here, but looking at the Big Ten Championship, the problem with this game is that Ohio State and Michigan both have very good defenses, as well, with good offenses. I, Michigan obviously has J.J. McCarthy in the run game, you got Blake Corm, you got Donovan Edwards, you got those guys, and then Ohio State's got the receiving quarter. Mecca, Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Kate Stover, the tight end, Travion Henderson at running back, like, Kyle McCord's fine. He's nothing amazing, but he's fine. Like, they've got those pieces on offense, and then you've got, and Michigan's O-line's amazing, too. So, you got those pieces plus good defenses. So, the problem would be with that is Iowa staying on the field for a very short amount of time. That would be the problem. Because when you're staying on the field for, like, like the Ohio State game last year, against when C.J. Stroud and Iowa played each other last year. Iowa's offense was on the field for, like, no time. So when your offense isn't moving the ball, you're not having extended drives, and that means the defense getting zero rest, and then they're getting exposed because you're playing a team like Ohio State who's got weapons galore on the outside. You also have a great quarterback, but I don't even think C.J. Stroud, I know the numbers are fine. I don't think C.J. Stroud played his best game against Iowa, weirdly. I think he had good numbers against Iowa, but I don't think he actually played that amazing against Iowa. I know that's weird to say. It's very weird to say. But the Iowa offense would need to get something. They need to adjust. And the problem is they're not going to. They didn't against Michigan when they went there the last time, when they went against the top defense in college football, essentially, with Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, Daxton Hill, and all those guys. 
Didn't adjust then. I don't think they'd adjust now, <laughs> but you never know. You never know. The run game would have to be A1 that week. Run block would have to be A1. You'd have to pass the ball like Michigan against Penn State. You'd have to pass the ball like eight times that game. So you get too scared every other time you pass the ball. So that would be the had to be the strategy. That had to be. Because you, you can't go three and out every single time. You'll get blasted. I don't care how good your defense is. You're going to get destroyed if you keep going three and out on offense. You are. Because your defense is going to get tired. Your defense is not going to get any rest. You're going to get tired. You're going to get exposed. And it's going to be a bloodbath. Now, you have to get past Nebraska first. I mean, you don't – for the the game itself, for the Big Ten Championship, you don't need to get past Nebraska. You can lose against Nebraska. No, we don't want to. You can afford to lose. You're already in the Big Ten West title. You're in the Big Ten title game. So you're, you're already locked in. But the game against Nebraska, this is a game you should win. You lost last year at home, a game that ultimately kept you out or partially kept you out of the Big Ten Championship game. This Nebraska team that's 5-6 right now, they've lost their past three games, close games, against Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin. They had an overtime game against Wisconsin last week. They've had a lot of close games this year. A lot of close games. They can be competitive. They're not amazing. But Iowa should have really no issue beating them. Again, they've had 8,000 consecutive sellout games. So it's going to be a very hostile environment. But I don't think Iowa should lose this game. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked. Nothing would really surprise me with this season. Nothing, nothing would really surprise me. Like the, the punt return thing against Minnesota, that doesn't surprise me at this point. If that happened here, it wouldn't surprise me. Like Iowa's first points against Illinois were a safety. It was 2-3 to three at one point. That is like, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if that would have been the final score. I would have been shocked if the final score was 5-3 Iowa. Iowa makes a field goal, and they win. Like It's just how the season's gone this year, but hey, it's gotten to this point. In uh, that Rutgers game, they played really, really well as an offensive unit. Noah Brown's going to get a bigger role in the offense too, so it's just building on things. And if you get a game against Nebraska, keep it on a bowl eligibility. Well, I guess I just, does that even really matter anymore? I've seen five and seven teams go to bowls. Like, I'm pretty sure Rice was five and seven last year and went to a bowl game. So I don't really think that matters anymore. But hey, beat Nebraska, make them lose four games in a row, that might keep them out of bowl, the bowl games. It'd be fun. Get revenge on Nebraska, start the dominance again against Nebraska. You lost to Iowa State last year. You re-kick, you kick that one back off in Ames. You go to Nebraska this year, you kick that one back off in Nebraska. Wisconsin, same thing. So, hey, I think they can win. I think they should win. The over-under in this game is a whopping 26.5. Nebraska is a two-point favorite, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Jeez, this game would probably be like 10-8, to eight, wouldn't it? It's going to be an eight point. It's going to be some odd score. It's going to be some weird score in this game. Eight points feels right. I'm not saying bet on that. Do not bet on that. Do not listen to me with that. <laughs> I don't tell anybody to bet on my teams anymore. I don't do that anymore. So do not listen to me when it comes to betting on that game. But Iowa, I mean, hey, going to the Big Ten title game, playing Ohio State or Michigan, that game's obviously this weekend. So, yeah, fun stuff. Very fun stuff. As for Iowa State, lost to Texas last week and Texas' last game against Iowa State in the Big 12. Tough one. You play Kansas State and Farmageddon this week. This is a very solid Kansas State team. Iowa State is 6-5 and five right now. We predicted them to go, did we say 3-9 and nine or 4-8? and eight? I can't remember. One of those two. It doesn't matter. Either way, not 6-6. Six and six. And even if so, if Iowa State was 4-8 and eight and 3-9, and nine, whatever, they've looked better than I thought they would. It took a suspension <laughs> for Hunter Deckers to realize the better quarterback was on the bench the whole time than Rocco Becht. Rocco Becht's a better quarterback than Hunter Deckers. That's crazy. I did not think that would be the case going into the season. I thought we'd be having a conversation about we don't know who the quarterback is, whether it's him or J.J. Cole. 
it's Rocco Beck's job. It's Rocco Beck's team. Abu Sama's been playing really well. Like, this is a Texas team that's just better. That's the, the long and short of it. It's not that Iowa State's bad. Iowa State's not a bad team at all. They're not bad at all. In any stretch of the imagination, Rocco Beck did a very good game against Texas this past weekend. But Texas is just better. Quinn Ewers, I don't think, played that amazing. But C.J. Baxter, who we talked about going into the season, he went off. Like, this was one of the things I was talking about with Texas. Like, Jonathan Brooks, their number one back, one of the top backs in all of college football, one of the top backs in the draft, towards ACL. Big loss. Big loss for most teams. Unless you're Texas and you got a five-star number one running back in the nation coming in behind him and C.J. Baxter, who we brought up in the preview video. And guess what? C.J. Baxter, 117 yards in this game for the Longhorns on 20 carries, average 5.9 yards a carry. Xavier Worthy, 77 yards in this game. Quinn Ewers, 281 yards, two touchdowns. Quinn Ewers coming back to Texas. So we'll see Quinn Ewers in the SEC next year. We'll see how that affects his draft stock. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks going into the season in regards to the 2025 draft, which is going to be crazy. Like Shadur Sanders in the 2025 draft, Quinn Ewers in the 2025 draft, Carson Beck might be. I wouldn't be shocked if Carson Beck got went out this year. He'd be a first-round, he borderline first-round draft pick right now. But next year, he might be the number one overall pick. He might be. I do think it's funny. People talking about, like, oh, if I was throwing to five stars, I'd be that good too. Carson Beck's not throwing to five stars on offense. All the five stars are on defense. Carson Beck's not working with a bunch of five stars on offense. That's the cool thing about Georgia. Lad McConkey, you know, like Lad McConkey's a five star? Okay. <laughs> if Lad McConkey was a five star coming out, then I was a five star coming out. I'm not saying that. I would never even, like, even come close to getting an offer from Georgia. <laughs> but Iowa State, six and five, and that game gets Kansas State. At Kansas State, it's a 7 o'clock kickoff there. It'll be a good one. It'll be a very, very good one. Kansas State obviously should have – we talked about this a couple weeks ago. They should have beat Texas. So, it's going to be a tough game. Farmageddon, longest protected rivalry in all of college football, most protected consecutively played game in all of college football. I do think Kansas State wins this game. Iowa State goes 6-6. Six and six. Gets me within the two-game, two-three-game range that we had preseason, but that's my only reasoning behind that one. I do think it'll be a good game, though. And then the FCS, Missouri Valley Conference, you and I, blew their playoff chances against Missouri State and then coupled that with losing to North Coast State this past weekend. Just not great. Very bad. All the way around. Like, you and I just completely capitulated. Theo Day, four interceptions in the game against North Coast State. Lose 27-48. Four picks in the game. You and I had the playoffs in their grasp, and they lost to Missouri State. Shit the bet against Missouri State. And one thing I worry about in that game, I think they might have looked past Missouri State. I think that might have been the issue there. Because you're going to a home game, senior day, against North Dakota State, a beatable North Dakota State. And it's crazy to say beatable when they lose 48-27. But still, North Dakota State is more beatable this year than they have the entire past 15 years. This is the most beatable North Dakota State team in recent history. Like, and you got them at home on senior day? You get a win against Missouri State. You go into that game against North Coast State. You're building wins. And then guess what? You go in and upset the Bison. But no, you look past Missouri State. You get exposed. You get beat. You come out flat. You lose 21-3. to Or lose that. You were down at halftime 21-3. to I don't remember what the final score was. You lose that game. And then you go in against Missouri State. And then you just get shit on. Like, the halftime score was 27-10. to Not ideal. Not necessarily the most ideal halftime score. And you and I is out of the FCS playoffs. But what's funny <laughs> is who North Dakota State is playing. 
in the FCS playoffs. North Dakota State's playing Drake. <laughs> Drake made the FCS playoffs. Let's talk about what Drake did this season, okay? So we talked about before the season started, or like during the early portion of the season, Drake played South Dakota State in Minnesota. Why Drake had a neutral site game against the best team in the FCS, I have no idea. I have absolutely no no idea why that was a thing, but it happened. And guess what? Drake got beat 70-7. to They played North Dakota, not North Dakota State, North Dakota, week one in Bismarck. They're in Bismarck. Yeah, they're in Bismarck. Lose to them 55-7. to And guess what? Drake played week two. So in between these two teams, they played Northwestern. Northwestern is an NAIA school. Northwestern plays William Penn. Or they don't play William Penn. They're on the same level as William Penn. They're on the same level as Grandview. Graceland. They came in and beat Drake 27-24. to An NAIA school. So Drake starts the season 0-3, losing 70-7, to 55-7, or something like that. I'm not looking at the score right now. And then 27-24 against an NAIA school. And guess what? They run the table, <laughs> win the Pioneer, and then they're going on to the FCS playoffs. How does that make any sense? How does that compete? This is Drake's first ever time in the playoffs. Do you think when they lost 70-7 to to South Dakota State that they thought playoffs were actually a realistic goal? When they lost to Northwestern and NAIA school 27-24, did they think that the playoffs were a realistic option? Hell no, they thought the FCS were a realistic option the playoffs. Hell freaking no. No way did they think the playoffs were realistic. And guess what? Drake went 8-0 in conference play. 8-0. Good Lord. I did not see that coming at all. It popped up randomly. Because a few kids I played football with in high school, they ended up going to Drake. So they're posting all this stuff on their Instagram stories about Drake going to the FCS playoffs. I did not see that happening at all. That is the most insane. You and I missed the playoffs by losing to Missouri State, and we're seeing Drake take on the team that just beat you and I 48-27. That is insane. This is the third Missouri Valley Conference team Drake has played this year. Aggregate score <laughs> right now between Drake and Missouri Valley Conference teams is 125-14. to uh, That will expand. I don't want to say Drake will... I don't want to say the aggregate score will get pushed to 200. I don't want to say that because they need 75 points to do that. I don't want to say that. It'll get damn close. <laughs> we'll get damn close. I mean, hey, Drake, here's your participation trophy. Congratulations for making the playoffs. And uh, you can settle this game by an email. You know what, Drake? If you just send a nicely worded letter, we don't need to play this game. And the best part about it is Drake can win this game. <laughs> they, they, they can't. But you know what? They could. They're going to go in there believing that they could beat the North Dakota State Bison. I don't. I know. I know. It is insane to think about that they are playing North Dakota State. I did not see this as a possibility. I did not see this as a possibility. This is like the Iowa of the FCS level. I did not see like look at their last three games against Marist, Presbyterian, and Butler. Their final three games. 10 to 3, 16, 14, 13, 9. That is Iowa. To a T. That's Iowa to a T. <laughs> and they're going to the playoffs. And like Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, they're probably gonna lose. So you know what? All you can do is cheer. All you can do is cheer. Have a good time. All you can do is cheer. And hey, guess what? Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. I watched Appalachian State beat Michigan when Appalachian State was still on the FCS level. I watched that happen with my own two eyes. That is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my freaking life. I watched Miami get beat by 30 points to Middle Tennessee State last year. <laughs> I don't think it was 30, but it was damn near close to 30. What other games have we seen? I saw Miami 
who could have just knelt out the game to beat Georgia Tech, lose on a fumble and then a touchdown <laughs> to Georgia Tech. I have seen these things with my own two gosh darn eyes. I have seen. What else have we seen? Um, Got to think of something cool. What's a cool one? Um, I saw South Dakota play Oregon week one and then week two play William Penn. I saw that. <laughs> this makes, makes no sense. That is the weirdest scheduling I've ever seen in my life. You play Oregon week one at Outson Stadium. And then week two is against William Penn. Not Thankfully not in the Oscar Lewis Community Stadium. Obviously not there in the Dakota Dome. Oh my goodness. I love college football. It's so fun. It's so fun. You, anything can happen. That's the beautiful part. I didn't think we'd talk about Drake. I didn't think that this would happen. That Drake goes... 8-0 in conference play after losing to North Dakota Northwestern, not the not the Chicago school, the team in Orange City, Iowa. <laughs> that Northwestern. Oh, my God. I need a drink for that one. Good Lord. College football so fun. We got some fun games this weekend, though. All right, Friday we've got some good games. we got Ole Miss versus uh, Mississippi State on Thursday, the Egg Bowl. One of the best rivalries in all of college football. One of the best named rivalries in all of college football. We had some blowouts here in the MAC right now. Bowling Green. I haven't said the scores in a little bit, but Bowling Green's winning thirty-one to three at halftime. <laughs> that Eastern Michigan just scored. I believe. No, they didn't. I'm sorry. Eastern Michigan is about to score, and they're at fourteen nothing right now. Then we got Iowa, Nebraska. Obviously, we got TCU, Oklahoma, which could be kind of a decent game. Miami, Boston College. I mean, that's the Flutie game. Hail Flutie. That was that game. Then we've got UTSA versus Tulane. That's actually a very good game. What channel is that on? AB, that, that's a worthy ABC game. Utah, Tulane versus UTSA is a very worthy ESPN, ABC ESPN game. Watch that game. I implore you to watch that game. Iowa plays at 11, so you can watch that game without fearing of missing the Iowa-Nebraska game. Michael Pratt is one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football in the draft, so watch that game. And Frank Harris for UTSA is very good as well. Arkansas-Missouri... Okay, crazy, <laughs> crazy things have happened. <clears throat> and then Oregon State, Oregon is on Friday night on Fox. Oregon's a 13.5 point favorite. I think that's a little mean to Oregon State, isn't it? Who knows? Watch Oregon go in and boat race them. And then Saturday, we got Ohio State, Michigan, the game. Michigan's a three point favorite in that one. Louisville versus Kentucky is in that on the same day. We got Texas AM versus LSU. We got Indiana, Purdue. We have got UConn versus UMass. One of the best games of the season, 3-8 and eight versus 2-9. and nine. UConn is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Duke-Pitt should be a decent one. We got the game of the season to finish last place in the Big 12, potentially. I guess I should look at that. Where is it at? Big 12 Conference. Ah, Cincinnati's still down there. And a game that could decide who's the worst team in the Big 12. <laughs> Houston versus UCF. Me and Brady's picks for the two worst teams of the Big 12 are playing each other this weekend. It could have massive ramifications for who finishes last in the conference this year. It could. Cincinnati will need to lose two, but we haven't gotten Cincinnati yet. Then we have got... What other fun games we got on here? Utah versus Colorado. That could have been fun a few weeks ago. A few months ago, sorry. Alabama-Auburn. That is on Saturday as well. It's at Auburn. Anything can happen there. Arizona versus Arizona State. BYU versus Oklahoma State. Vanderbilt Vanderbilt versus Tennessee is on Saturday. Illinois versus Northwestern. Illinois is a five and a half point favorite in that game. Minnesota versus Wisconsin. 
Virginia, Virginia Tech is on. Georgia Southern versus Appalachian State. James Madison, Coastal Carolina. That's a fun one. That's an ESPN, too. Washington versus Washington State's on three at Fox. Florida versus Florida State's at six on ESPN. No Jordan Travis in that game again for Florida State. Notre Dame, Stanford. That should be, <laughs> that should be a fun one. <laughs> Same with Georgia versus Georgia Tech should be a fun one. Clemson, South Carolina could actually be pretty fun. Depends on what South Carolina team shows up. That's the main thing there. Iowa State, Kansas State, as we talked about. North Carolina versus NC State. Cal versus UCLA. And then final game, Wyoming versus Nevada. Those are your big games to look out for this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Wyoming versus Nevada. <laughs> we're, we're scratching the barrel there. But you know what? It's college football. Like, that's the that's one of my favorite things. So, like, my birthday was a couple weeks ago. So, Andrew, thank, I, I'm drinking one of – Andrew left a uh, Bush Light, and it's been sitting in my fridge. He left three here. I'm having one of them now because I was tired. I just needed something to pick me up, so I took one. Andrew, I apologize. <laughs> but you know what? Cheers to Andrew. <sighs> well, my birthday was a couple weeks ago, a couple Saturdays ago. It was the 11th. And everybody kept asking me, like my family members were asking me, what I was, what are you going to do for your birthday? I was like, I'm probably going to sit down and watch college football with friends. <laughs> and you know what? That's exactly what we did. And you know what? That was a pretty damn good birthday. And not only that, we went to the flat tire, hung out there, played pool, watched more college football. Like, it was a very fun day. Got in a, I don't want to say argument. It wasn't really an argument. I was making fun of some people at the bar. <laughs> you can say argument. You can say whatever you want. It was just kind of funny. I was having a good time. I don't know if they were having a good time. It was funny, regardless. It was funny, regardless. It was a, a couple of Iowa State fans were talking. I'll go, I'll go over the gist of it, the main point here. <laughs> it was a couple of Iowa State fans. Obviously, Iowa State-BYU was playing, so that was the weird 9 o'clock game. Iowa State dominated the game. And they were like, man, Iowa, man, scored, th-. it was at like 30 points or something. I don't remember. Man, imagine scored 30 points in the game. I was like, dude, you lost to the team that can't score 30 points. Why are you trying to talk shit to me? That makes you look bad. You lost to a team that can't even score 15 points against Illinois. Like, you're bad. You're trying to bash me, make me feel bad. You lost to that team at home, no less. So don't try coming at me. So that was basically, <laughs> this is pretty much all. And it was like, oh, you beat Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers is a good football team. They hung around with Ohio State the week before. So they scored six points. No, they did score six points. Got to make sure you're, you, you're getting ready to watch these games. This is why watching college football all day. It's fun because you're aware of all the games that are going on. But Wyoming-Nevada, that's an interesting one that we ended on. I didn't even know that game was happening this weekend. Or did I? Sick planning there by Logan. But uh, Wyoming, a certain quarterback, America's quarterback, one would say, went to Wyoming. That's Josh Allen. And the Bills, as we talked about last Wednesday, made a change at offense coordinator. They fired Ken Dorsey and brought in, I say brought in, he was already on the roster, staff, I guess, Joe Brady. Joe Brady obviously was the pass game coordinator for the LSU Tigers team that won the national championship in 2019 with Burrow, Chase, Jefferson, all those guys. He was the pass game quarterback coordinator there. Went to the Carolina Panthers, became the offensive coordinator there, got fired because he couldn't establish a run game because his entire team was hurt, namely Christian McCaffrey. And he came to the Buffalo Bills as a quarterback coach, and now he's the OC. And last win, it's funny how like quickly things can change because I was like done with the season. I was done with literally everything. Because that went that loss against the Broncos just hurt so bad. And you look at the other games, lost to the New England Patriots, the shitty ass game against the New York Giants. Like these games were massive games. They were like, man, you lost to a Jets team with Aaron Rodgers out. He got hurt after four plays. Their morale is dead. Their starting quarterback's out. They gotta go back to Zach Wilson. And you still lost to him. 
Like that hurts. That hurts, especially doing on Monday Night Football and your quarterback throws three, three interceptions and fumbles at a time. Like it, it makes it worse. It makes it so much worse. So you're looking at the the entire season. You lose to the Bengals too. Like all these games are stacking on top of each other. Like man, they're five and five through their quote unquote easy schedule, and they have yet to play the Eagles. They have yet to play the Chiefs. They have yet to play the Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots again. The team they lost to, Dolphins again. Like you got a hard ass schedule, and you're five and five through this first portion. So a change was needed at offensive coordinator, or it's something. A change was needed regardless. I didn't care where it came from. I wasn't surprised when they fired Ken Dorsey. I was on the bandwagon to fire Dorsey this offseason after the whole Bengals debacle, after the whole he was interviewing for the Panthers job on Friday and coached the Bills game on Sunday, and they got shit on by the Bengals. I was kind of done at that point. I think this year, the Dolphins game, he called a very good game. Dolphins game had a very good game. Post that, I have no idea what happened. No idea what happened at the Dolphins game. It was like an anomaly. I d- 48 points <laughs> against a team that just dropped 70. And they shut them out, too, pretty much, for NFL standards. Like We were looking at a Notre Dame versus USC game, that game. And then the rest of the season just wasn't like that. So getting hearing Ken Dorsey got fired, and it's funny because if they beat the Broncos, I don't think he gets fired. I think Ken Dorsey's still there if, he, if they beat the Broncos, which is funny that a 12-man-on-the-field penalty decided whether Ken Dorsey got fired or if whether Ken Dorsey kept his job. That's the fun part and the sad part about the NFL. I think the offense was shit. We said that numerous times. The offense was terrible the entire year, but we also made sure to say, hey, Josh Allen's still Josh Allen. Let's stop with the bashing of Josh Allen. I can say he's been shit, but you can't make fun of him. I can, because I'm a fan of Josh Allen. (laughs) It's It's like, I can make fun of my parents. I can make fun of my sister, but you can't make fun of my sister and my parents. Like, you get that? Like, there's a certain boundary you can't cross. And making fun of Josh Allen is a boundary. Because Josh Allen, though he was throwing a bunch of interceptions, though he was turning the ball over, he was still leading the league in touchdowns. He was still doing that. And he was playing like shit. So it was one of those things like the old Aaron Rodgers quote, my career, my bad years are some people's careers. That's Josh Allen right now. Or it was. And then guess what? Ken Dorsey gets fired. Joe Brady comes in the offense. The proverbial leash that was on the offense is gone. Because this team looked night and day. And I'm just going to compare it to the Jets game. The two Jets games this year, the one week one, the one this week. The Bills are, on paper, a worse team than they were when they took on the New York Jets week one. Dawson Knox is out. Trey White's out. Matt Milano's out. Daquan Jones is out. There's so many different injuries that happen that this team, on paper, is worse than what they play. Because you could say Aaron Rodgers out. Aaron Rodgers played four four plays against the Bills. They pretty much got the same exact freaking team. I think Elijah Vera Tucker might be out, but that's about it. To my knowledge, I'm not a Jets fan, so I, I'm not 100% sure what all their injury history is this year. I know Eli- I think Elijah Vera Tucker's out because I think he got hurt against the Broncos again. It's back-to-back years ago. Her season ending injury against the Broncos. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. But you just look at these two games against the Jets. They are night and day differences. They played like shit the first time they played the Jets. That was an embarrassing game. As a fan, you're sitting there on Monday Night Football, the whole country's watching, you got all your friends texting you, making fun of you after the game. Like, I tell my dad this, the one person I fear getting a text message from after a game is Kevin. And he knows this. He knows this. (laughs) I fear it. Every fiber of my being fears it. And I know he's going to do it every single time. And I love him for it, but I fear it every single time. After that Jets game, scorched earth. 
And it's like, man, I don't, I, I can take shit talk. I can take it. Kevin gets to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But he's the only one that gets to me, really. And it hurts. And that Bills-Jets game, it was deserved. It was deserved. The Broncos game was deserved. He didn't even really say anything at the Broncos game. He was just like, hey, uh, I'm ready for Mon- Wednesday's show. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I am too. And then Monday happened, and then I calmed down. Or Tuesday happened, because it was Monday. No. Yeah, it was Monday. What was it? It was Monday night. Yeah, it was Monday night football. Tuesday happened, calmed down. Ken Dorsey fired and all that stuff. They look good. I know it's just one game. I know I'm being overreactionary or whatever, but I was set on week to week with this. They look good. They look really freaking good. If they play that way the entire season, because that's the same Jets defense they faced week one, for the most part. Unless I don't know if they have any injuries on the defense side of the ball. From my from the knowledge I have, I don't think they do. But I, my knowledge on the Jets defense is not very vast, so I apologize. But they kicked their ass. They settled for field goals. They were not worried about anything the Jets were doing to them. The offense couldn't do shit. Zach Wilson was useless. Zach Wilson got demoted to third string yesterday for Tim Boyle, who has a negative touchdown to interception ratio. And not just the NFL, in college. I don't know how he's in the NFL. I don't know who he's got pictures of to keep him in the NFL. Because I, I have no idea. Look up his stat line in college at UConn, Eastern Kentucky, in the NFL, too. Like, look it up. It's terrible. And then Trevor Simeon is now the backup. Zach Wilson's third string. Which is insane. Because that 2021 draft class now has three quarterbacks that are third stringers. I'm pretty sure I saw Mac Jones get demoted third string. And then Trey Lance, third string down in Dallas. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Justin Fields doesn't know where his next team is, whether it's the Bears or the Falcons or someone else. The only one we know is for certain staying is Trevor Lawrence. He's not even having that great a year. But they kicked the shit out of the Jets. Absolutely kicked. Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen. You know what the big thing I've said about wanting in from Josh Allen this year? Was the shit talking. Was the yelling. Was all that stuff. You want to know what this game had? Josh Allen yelling at the crowd. Josh Allen sprinting everywhere. Josh Allen, James Cook scored his touchdown. First one there was Josh Allen. Ty Johnson scores his touchdown. First one there's Josh Allen. Shaquille, Khalil Shakir scores his touchdown. First one there's Josh Allen. That was an 81-yard touchdown, too. That was a dart, that throw to Khalil Shakir. Dart. There's two quarterbacks in the league that can make that throw. Two of them. One of them's in Kansas City. The other one's in Buffalo. There are two quarterbacks that can make that throw. Flat-footed, no less. Not with anything into it. And Josh Allen said it on the sideline. I'm effing back. The leash is gone. That's all I needed to hear. And he's screaming at the crowd. Like, uh, Bill's Twitter was going insane Monday morning. Because of the fact of the video circulating of Josh Allen just yelling at the crowd, sprinting down the field to get with his teammates, yelling, I'm back on the sideline. Like, that is, this team is, that, that's what they needed. If that's what Ken Dorsey leaving did, then I am even more for it than I was before. The fact that Joe Brady had offensive coordinator experience before made it that much easier for me to adjust to, Ken, to Joe Brady being the OC. That he's had that experience before. I don't care if it was in Carolina. You look what he did in LSU. It was awesome down there. And he had Matt Rule in the NFL. It's a sinking ship. Look at the Panthers now. They look good. And watching the Eagles last night, and we've said this this season, the Eagles are beatable, especially after watching them last night. 
I don't know what the hell is going on with the MVP award right now. I saw the adjusted odds, speaking of this Eagles game. Jalen Hurts is the favorite to win MVP. Jalen Hurts is the favorite to win MVP. So we're just ignoring what they're doing and just looking at strictly records? Because Jalen Hurts threw for 150 yards and an interception with no passing touchdowns. And he had two quarterback sneak touchdowns with 29 yards rushing. He had 179 yards of total offense. And he's the number one MVP candidate? I don't want to sound like Jalen Hurts is shit or anything, but come on, really? Really? Right now, Jalen Hurts has 15 touchdowns and nine interceptions to his name this season. 15 and nine. And then a bunch of quarterback sneak touchdowns. A bunch of quarterback sneak touchdowns. Josh Allen may have 12 interceptions. He has seven more passing touchdowns. So this is what I talked about early in the season. I will take the interceptions if Josh Allen just be if Josh Allen just is Josh Allen. He has 22 passing touchdowns. Josh Allen just set a franchise record for consecutive games with a touchdown. 19 straight games with a touchdown for Josh Allen. 19 consecutive games with a passing touchdown. And you want to know what else? Most all-time touchdowns, most total touchdowns in the first six seasons all-time. Ladies and gentlemen, may I remind you, so Josh Allen's in his sixth year in the NFL. This week is week 12. So we just finished week 11. There are 18 weeks in the NFL season. 17 games, 18 weeks. Josh Allen already has the record. And guess what? I highly doubt he's not going to score any more touchdowns this season. He has 159 passing touchdowns and 45 rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. 205 total touchdowns in his career. The second place is Patrick Mahomes, third place is Dan Marino. And again, we are we just finished week 11. Josh Allen, let's continue on this streak. Josh Allen, since 2020, he has 159 total touchdowns since 2020. 159. 18 more than any other player in the National Football League. 18 more touchdowns than any other player in the NFL since 2020. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You got, We can sit here and bash Josh Allen. As a fan, I can sit here and say he hasn't been playing very well. To Josh Allen's standard. And this is what we're going to get the rest of the season. The yelling. The sprinting everywhere. They looked damn good. They looked like a completely different team on Sunday than they did on Monday Night Football against the Broncos. Against the Bengals, against the Patriots, against whoever. They looked like a completely different team. And you could say it's just the Jets. This just the Jets team beat the Eagles. So I don't want to hear that. The best record in the NFL with the MVP favorite lost to the Jets. With Zach Wilson as the quarterback. Josh Allen's down years are your career years. This dude has got what? So we're five, six and five right now. Best record you can get is 12 and five. So you've got six games left. And Josh Allen already has the record for most touchdowns 
through the first six seasons in NFL history. And everybody on social media told me he was ass. He's never been ass. He's been playing bad, but he's never been ass. So let's hold that. Hold that. If they play like this the rest of the year, I don't know what they're capable of. They can beat anybody. That Chiefs team, that Eagles team from last night, they're beatable. The Chiefs got blown out by Denver in Denver. Like, they're beatable. The Bills, for whatever reason, have a lot of success in Arrowhead in the regular season. If they play like that, they can beat literally anybody in the NFL. If they kept playing like they did after that, if they kept Ken Dorsey, let's say Ken Dorsey OC after that Broncos game, we're looking at this season a little different. If they didn't change something, it was a lost season. 8-9, and 7-10, whatever. I was done. If they didn't make a change, they did. That's why I was so calm doing the show last week. I was frustrated looking back at the game. But man. Since 2020, Josh Allen and the Bills versus top five pass defenses, including playoffs. 8-1. 31 points per game. 282 passing yards per game. 28-4. Touchdown interception ratio. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so nice to be back. It was rough for a week. <laughs> the season was rough. It was so rough. Khalil Shakir looks really good. Duncan K looks really good. James Cook is third in the league in rushing yards right now. Or he was. Let's double check that. No, James Cook is fourth. DeAndre Swift just passed him last night. Devin Singletary, he's having a good run with Houston, Texas right now. Devin Singletary's career high in Buffalo is 870 yards rushing. James Cook has 688 yards rushing right now. And again, we got six games left. James Cook is a game this year we had negative rushing yards against the Jaguars. And he's still fourth in the league in rushing yards. This is what I need to see the rest of the year. If they play like that, Craziness. Craziness. But on the MVP talk, I don't know who wins MVP at this point. I would say Josh Allen, but I'm not. I don't. At this point, I I'm I don't want to go too over the top. I don't want to go too over the top. Let's keep, let's keep semi-normality here. I think he should be in the top three. But I don't know who I would say be MVP favorite right now. I have no idea who I would say for that. This is one of the weirdest MVP seasons ever. CJ Stroud has threw three interceptions against the Arizona Cardinals. So I have no idea what our MVP season is going to be looking like this year. It sure as hell ain't Jalen Hurts, and he definitely doesn't deserve to be shot to number one after last night's game. Good Lord, really? Man, football is fun. If Josh Allen had Mahomes' stat line and just 17 points at home, the media would be blaming him, not the wide receivers. Yes, and I understand Mahomes having a lot of drops this year. I understand that. But man, the pandering. I understand he's got skin in the game. He's got two Super Bowls, he's got MVPs and all that stuff. I understand that. But let's keep it consistent, guys. We're all about to keep it consistent. Got to keep it consistent here. Yeah, here's the MVP favorites right now. Jalen Hurts established established himself (laughs) with two rushing touchdowns that were one yard out and interception with 179 yards total offense. 
That's established yourself. Lamar Jackson's second. Mahomes, who has like one less interception than Josh Allen and one less game played, right? Nine, okay, three less interceptions with one less game played. He has a bye week. So Patrick Mahomes on there. With less touchdowns on there too, which again, you could say fair, 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 fair. He's had one less game, so I understand, fair. Tua, Dak, and then Brock Purdy. Like, come on. We're really just doing records at this point. Because the records here on this list, Jalen Hurts 9-1, Lamar Jackson 8-3, Patrick Mahomes 7-3, Tua, what, 7-3-2? Almost lost to the Raiders. Dak Prescott, I think, 7-3, 8-3. Brock Purdy, 7-3 or 6-3 or whatever. We're just doing records. It's fine. MVP awards a record now. Same with Heisman. Jane Daniels has no reason not to win the Heisman right now. But because Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Marvin Harrison, they're all ranked the top six with one loss combined between them, they're going to be in the conversation. Jaden Daniels had to have a 606-yard performance against SEC school to get to this point again because LSU has three losses. It's just a record award now. That's fine because there ain't no way Jalen Hurts the MVP favorite. <laughs> there is no way. Like, you know when Brady said the no way after we did the whole uh, the guess the player thing? That was my reaction seeing Jalen Hurts being the MVP favorite for throwing for having two total touchdowns, interception, 179 yards total offense. Established himself as an MVP favorite. That's insane. I don't get it. But you know what? We got Thanksgiving football this week. So that's all you can really ask for. Let's look at the games. I don't remember what they are. Remember we said they were ass. Packers-Lions. <sighs> Lions should win that one. Cowboys-Commanders. Never know which Cowboys team will show up. And Commanders team for that matter. Just lost to the Giants and Tommy DeVito. And then Niners Seahawks. Niners Seahawks would be a good game. So all of them except for Niners Seahawks. I'm excited. I'm I'm disappointed. I don't want to watch Niners. <laughs> I don't want to watch Packers Lions. I don't want to watch Commanders Cowboys. Don't care about either of those games. Niners Seahawks, I'm invested in. I'll watch that game. That's a fun game. Seahawks are a good team. They just sometimes don't play like they're a good team. <laughs> Brock Purdy looked like his normal self against the Jaguars last week, which is what's all you can ask for. Bios can do a lot of good. Bios can do a lot of good. And the Niners. I think if everything's clicking, which it hadn't during that three-game stretch where they lost to the Vikings, Browns, and uh, who else did they lose to? Without one other team. I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. Who the hell was it? Because it wasn't the Cowboys. Blew out the Cowboys. Vikings, Browns. Who did they lose to? Who's the other team in there? I'm completely lost. Bengals. I forgot because that was the game before the Bills and Joe Burrow and all them looked back. And Joe Burrow, speaking of, out for the season. Wrist injury. Not great. So the AFC North consists of Dorian Thompson Robinson, Joe Burrow, and Kenny Pickett, who then still just fired Matt Canada, and and then Lamar Jackson. All of them above 500, though, which is insane. Oh, my goodness. That's the Big Ten West of the NFL, isn't it? <laughs> the AFC North, Big Ten West, and the Steelers are the Iowa Hawkeyes. Because at least the Ravens could have somewhat fun on offense. <laughs> The Steelers just are. We'll see how Kenny Pickett does with the, whoever the OC is. I don't. I think their running back coach got promoted to OC. I think. I could have read that wrong. I thought I saw something about that, but who knows? But yeah, the Niners looked good. Looked good last week. Brandon Ayuk looked really good. Helped me out in fantasy. Got another dub in fantasy. Jaguars kicked the shit out of the Jaguars. And then they play the Seahawks. And then he played the Eagles. He played the Seahawks again. Like the, the 49ers got a rough stretch. But hey, if they play like they did these past two games, they can beat anybody. I stand by that. I think the Niners. So my Super Bowl prediction before the season was Niners-Bills, I, th- I think, right? Yeah, it was, that sounds right. 
Niners Bills is my Super Bowl prediction. If they play like they can, if Purdy is smart with the ball, then they can literally beat anybody. They're they're too insanely talented. I think I think pound for pound, the Niners might be the best team in football. Pound for pound. I know they got seven and three record. I know they lost to a couple teams they probably shouldn't have, but hey, they're they're a good team. They're a very good team. Do I think Brock Purdy's an MVP candidate? No, but I think he's a good quarterback. But man. Yeah, what other games are on week 12? I just haven't looked at the schedule yet. Bills-Eagles is Monday night football, right? Oh, it's an afternoon game. No, I literally just talked about this with someone today. But Friday, we got Dolphins-Jets. Tim Boyle versus Tua, as everybody expected. We got Saints-Falcons, Steelers-Bengals. Weird game, very weird game. Anemic offense is out there. Panthers-Titans, again, same thing. Colts-Bucks. Then we got the Patriots taking on the Giants. We got the Jaguars taking on the Texans in a revenge game. Revenge. Revenge game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then we've got the Browns and Broncos, Rams and Cardinals, Chiefs and Raiders, Bills and Eagles, and Sunday Night Football, Ravens, Chaches. And then Monday Night Football, Bears, Vikings. That's a decent slate. That's a decent slate of football, right? That's decent. Nothing too bad. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I like today's show. I, I enjoy today's show. It's not we're not done yet though. Don't get it twisted. We ain't done yet. I gotta talk about one other thing real quick. And that is the US men's national team. Uh there they just had a Nations League qualifier run against Trinidad Tobago this past week. Beat Trinidad and Tobago 3 0. Lost them last night 2 1. Watch both games. I didn't even start watching the Eagles Chiefs game because I wanted to finish the United States game. I don't know why I did. They're unwatchable. England and the United States, I like in more ways than one, none more so than their national teams. They are the exact same. Exact freaking same. They're obviously completely different levels in regards to it because like Harry Kane, uh, Bakaya Saka, like players like that, John Stones, they wipe the floor with a lot of players the United States has. I'm under, I am 100% aware of that. But in regards to where we are at in the state of each national team for their respect to the histories of the national team, these are the two, two of the most talented teams these countries have ever had especially in the case of the United States. And they have these two managers that have no idea how to call a game plan. They have no idea. The United States cannot win at home. Or win away, sorry. Cannot win away from home. They suck away from home. They lost to Trinidad and Tobago 2-1. And you know what? It reminded me of the Iowa-Minnesota game. It reminded me exactly of that game. Iowa versus Minnesota. Where Iowa loses the game to a lot of people's eyes. Loses the game on a botched fair catch thing. That's how Iowa lost, right? No, Iowa lost because they played like shit the entire time and that gave you an escape to not talk about how bad Iowa looked throughout that entire game. This game against Trinidad Tobago. They lost, but they made the Copa America. They made the semifinals in the Nations League. Like, nothing to look bad at there. Sergio Des got one of the stupidest red cards I've ever seen in my freaking life. He punted the ball to the stadium with Tim Ream, Brandon Aaron, or Tim Ream, Matt Turner, Anthony Robinson, Gio Reyna, all of them blasted Serginio Dest while he was walking off the field. Good. Do that. Now, I don't agree with the people on social media say he needs to be banned from the national team. That's stupid. He's clearly the best right back they had. I like Joe Scally, but come on. He's suspended for the Nation League semifinal, which is a big loss. He was suspended for the final two against, uh, against Canada. So that wasn't great either, but Joe Scally filled his shoes, played well. If I remember correctly, I think that was the case. 
dumb, one of the dumbest. So you have two things that completely scan over the fact that the United States sucked ass again. They sucked ass in the three nothing game against Trinidad Tobago. They were terrible the entire time. Trinidad Tobago has played a low block the entire game and sat back and parked the freaking bus. And guess what? It took to the freaking eighty something minute or seventy something minute for the United States to finally score, and they scored three goals. So you look at that score line at face value, and you go, oh, they won 3-0. No, they played like absolute dog shite the entire game and just so happened to get a few across the line. They are unwatchable. They're the most talented group of players the United States has ever produced, and they got freaking bald idiot Greg Berhalter calling them. He sucks. We lambasted the whole process about how, oh, we're going to go through this entire hiring process, and then guess what? You just hired the same guy. Bullshit. That's what it is. Why even have the process? Why even entertain the fact that you're looking for other options? The Greg Berhalter was always your guy, which clearly was. Why is that even an option? I hate it with a burning passion. This team is too good for a manager like Greg Berhalter. This team is too good. And I know they had didn't have Pulisic. I know they didn't have Way. I knew Mess McKinney got hurt in the first game, so he didn't play in the second one. I understand that. Still... You have Balogun, you have Reyna, you have Aronson, who's not having a great club level season, but he always puts in a shift to the United States. Then you got Jonas Musa, Robinson, Reen, Matt Turner. Like you got good players outside. That's the best part about this United States team is that if one player goes down, they have depth to cover. That's what they needed all those years ago. Remember Josie Altador? We talked about this getting down the World Cup. They did not have a backup striker. Aaron Johansson was not it. He wasn't it. Bobby Wood was in around the national team around that time. Juan Agadello was around there. Robbie Finley was around there. They didn't have depth. They have depth. So losing key players like that, three of your best players in way of Pulisic and McKinney, that's big, but you have depth. And when you're playing a team like Trinidad Tobago, you should be able to rest all these players. And you lost 2-1, but no one cares because you went through 4-2 aggregate. It's so unwatchable. You cannot tell me U.S. Soccer Federation, I know I can't, obviously I don't care, but the U.S. Soccer Federation cannot say there's not better options out there. There's not. There, there has to be. Like, Greg Berhalter is so bad. I don't, I don't understand it. And the summer will be truly defining on what, like, their whole hiring thing is like, here's the guys going to lead us to the World Cup. Uh, please, no. Because what this team, I saw a thing, it was a CBS Sports thing. It was a, like a podcast thing they are doing. It was Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador. Uh, Charlie Davies and Marisa do. And they're sitting there talking. And Kate Abdo, she was the host of it. They're sitting there talking. Josie Altador says the 2010 team was better than this team. or twenty. It was 2010 or 2014, I don't remember. It was better than this team. On face value, you'd go, well, no. Like, there's no player like Christian Pulisic. Like, you can go uh, punch for punch, bar for bar. This team's better if you just go by players. You look at the top five players of this team versus that team, it's wash. But then you look at what they did. They did the exact same thing. Exact same thing. But in this instance, for the 2022 team that went to the World Cup, did all that stuff, you could say they disappointed. I know expectations from outside the United States are not extremely high. Like, um, get, uh, crap. Jamie Carragher said England would beat the United States 4 nothing. Obviously, the game ended in a nil-nil tie, which I think is fine. England sat back. The United States actually it was aggressive. But a game against Wales, against a game in uh, Iran, against the Netherlands, where you didn't adjust anything and gave up the same goal twice. Like, games like that. 
there's no adjustment. And if there is, it just happens to sit back. You played a 5-4-1 against Iran. Iran, come on, man, really? A 5-4-1, that is so anti-soccer, it is insane. It's insulting to sit there and actually watch that happen. And if Pulisic doesn't score a goal before halftime, guess what? You're going home. I understand you don't want to allow a goal, but at least be proactive. Like, do something. Don't just sit back and invite pressure. It might work. But then guess what? Let's say Iran happens to score. You're stuck with an entire defensive unit on the field. You're screwed. You're not going to score like that. You took off all your offensive players and put defensive players on. They score, you're out. So you got to play in every single scenario. You just can't play, oh, they're not going to score. No, you have to make sure you have all scenarios figured out. I don't think they ever do. I don't think Beralder knows how to schedule a game plan. I don't know what he does, really. I don't... He's coasting off the back of these elite players for the United States standard. And it's insult. It hurts to watch. It's so bad. You lost 2-1 to Trinidad and Tobago. You beat them 3-0 and scored three goals in five minutes in the 80th plus minute. That is terrible. But yet, you're going to the Copa America. You made the semifinals of the Nations League. Oh, yada, yada, yada. Des got a red card. Look at that. Now how bad we played. Just like the Iowa-Minnesota game. Exact same. Pisses me off. Everyone's talking about it's not a fair catch. I, I think it's funny that the whole shirt thing, like the World Series guy had that it wasn't a fair catch. It's it's getting long at this point. We've rinsed it. You're milking it too far. I'm done seeing it. It's It was funny at the time. It's like That game was, what, a month ago? Right, stop putting it out there, <laughs> please. I'm tired of seeing it. It's funny. I don't think I think Iowa did get screwed, but again, there's so many other things. Iowa should not have needed that to win that game. They shouldn't have. It's it's fr- it's insanely frustrating. But we'll see what happens with the the next set, the Nations League finals, the Copa America where you're hosting. It's just if Greg Berhalter is the manager for the World Cup, I'm ready for disappointment. That's the main thing I'll say there. That's the main thing I'll say. Because this team could actually not... I'm not saying go out and win it, but they could be competitive. Damn sure they could be competitive. They can't with Berhalter. They can't. It's impossible. The manager's bringing down the players, and it sucks. It's brutal to watch. So let's hope like a change is made before the World Cup because it... I'm fine with the Copa America. I'm fine with the Nations League. Should win the Nations League regardless. Copa America, be competitive. That's all I ask. World Cup, it's on home soil. I understand Copa America's on home soil. This isn't your tournament. The World Cup has to be yours. Not win it. Again, there's a lot better national teams out there. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm getting too frustrated with that. But that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of Logan Blimish. I do hope you enjoyed. If not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time. But have a good Thanksgiving. Have fun watching football. Have fun watching Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Drake, North Dakota State, as everybody predicted at the start of the season when they lost to Northwestern. Just as everybody predicted. Yeah, fun stuff. Make sure you check out the LoganBlavinShow.com and all the different forms of social media as well. And make sure to look out for our latest blog post, our Week 12 Quarterback Prospect Rankings. Hope you enjoy those as well. I've been Logan Blackman again. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week. Have a good Thanksgiving, and I will see you all later. Peace.